Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus. The Old Testament book of Exodus and Exodus in chapter number 20. Exodus in chapter number 20. Now if you are familiar with the Bible that should go ahead and ring something in your mind. That in Exodus chapter 20 is the biblical listing of the Ten Commandments. Now we're in a series right now of dealing with the Holy Scriptures and explaining the Holy Scriptures. And we understand that the main purpose of the Holy Scriptures is to reveal God to man. The Bible is given to us that we can know more about God. Now to illustrate this, we're going to use the Ten Commandments here as we take the Ten Commandments and learn more about God by the commandments he gave. To give an illustration that when you read your Bible, you should no matter where you're at, be asking God to show himself to you. Please show me God. Reveal yourself. Let me learn more about you today through your word. And we're going to demonstrate this. Now, in the context of the book of Exodus chapter number 20, the children of Israel have arrived at Mount Sinai. Now, un unlike the film and popular idea, Moses is not up on the mountain. In fact, all throughout Exodus 19, the people are gathered around the mountain. And in Exodus chapter 20, God is speaking directly to the people of Israel. That means they did not see the Ten Commandments on tablets given to him from the cloud. Instead, they heard God's own voice give them these commandments. And through this, God was revealing himself of who he was to the people by the laws that he gave. Now, one of the key phrases in verse number two, where it says, I am the Lord thy God. I want you to remember that after Right before the Ten Commandments, each one of them, you could put that phrase, I am the Lord your God, and give the commandment. Remember, what makes anything wrong? Because God said it was wrong. Why should we obey the Ten Commandments? Because the Lord our God. And so I'm going to read the Bible here and read this text. But before each commandment, I'm actually going to go and say that statement, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not. And we're going to read it that way to place the emphasis that God is the one giving this. And the reason why we should obey the Ten Commandments is because of who God is. If you don't mind, let's look together the book of Exodus chapter 20 and begin with me in verse number 1. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 1. And God spake all these words saying... I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow 
thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. I am the Lord thy God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath unto the Lord. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy son nor thy daughter. Thy manservant nor thy maidservant. Nor thy cattle nor the stranger that is in within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. The sea and all that in them is. And rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. I am the Lord thy God. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not kill. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not steal. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark that phrase that I've repeated over and over to understand these Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 2. Exodus 20 and verse number 2, notice the phrase, I am the Lord thy God. I am the Lord thy God. And with this, I would like to preach a message here of revealing God through the Ten Commandments. Remember, God is introducing himself here to the people. I am the Lord thy God. And each of these Ten Commandments is going to reveal something more about who God is. Revealing God through the Ten Commandments. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the great privilege it is to be in your house, to open up your word, and just to be able to understand the purpose of your word, that we can learn more about you. I'm asking that you would direct my steps, direct my thoughts. I yield myself to you, that you use me as your instrument. Whatever you want to get done, we can trust you. It's not my desire, it's not my ambition, what I think needs to happen. Lord, I can trust you to do your own work that you just guide and direct. Be with my mouth, be with my tongue, be with my thoughts, be with my words, that they be what you would have me to say and that we can all look up to you and see more about you as you desire for you to be known. Thank you, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Do your own work. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, again, I'm giving a de declarative statement. We're going to show more about that tonight. But the purpose of God's word is to reveal who God is. This Bible is not a book about David. It is not a book about Abraham. It is not a book about Paul. It is not a book about Peter. It is a book about God. 
And that the purpose of it is for us to know who God is. God wants to be known and can be known and has revealed himself through his word. And that every time we open up God's word, whether it's in our devotions, whether it's in our preaching, whether it's in our study, we should all be looking for Jesus. We should be looking, how do we learn more about our Savior through the passage here? Now what we're going to do is we're going to take each one of the Ten Commandments and we're going to show the character of God by each of these commandments. Why did he give this commandment? What is the purpose of it? And let's study this for ourselves, And let's learn about the eternal character of God as the Ten Commandments reflect who God is. Let's put the first commandment here. And we understand the principle here is putting God first. Putting God first. Notice with me as we see the the first commandment, which is listed in verse number three, and with that phrase again, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. In this here, we understand that God wants to be first. That word before carries the idea that in God's sight, and God is saying, I don't want you to have in my presence, in my sight, by the way, God sees everything, anything else that takes place of me. Anything that replaces God becomes a little g God. What is a God, by the way? It is something that we serve. Something that when it gives us a commandment, we obey. Well, some people, when their PlayStation commands them, they have no choice but to obey. You know what is a little G God in most people's lives? That phone. How many times you go to a restaurant and you see a couple on a date and they're on their face on their phone instead of looking at each other? That phone commanded me and I have to obey it. It becomes a, we become a servant to that. And God says don't let anything come to the place where it's more important than me. Thou shall have no other gods before me. What do we learn about God? That God should be first. That he should have the preeminence that it says in Colossians 1.18. The word preeminence is an important word. Some people say, well, that means to put God at the top of the list. No, 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 no. That word preeminent means that God is the only one on the list. May I give an example? My wife is here, and if I went to her and said, honey, out of all the women that I love... You're number one. Do you think that's much of an encouragement to her? What she wants to hear is that I love her like I love no one else. When God is speaking here that thou shall have no other gods before me. What God is saying is that I want you to love me like you love no one or nothing else. Putting God first. Which puts a good question in our mind. Is there something that is more important in our life than God? Is it our phone? Is it TV? Is it our job? Is it our hobby? Is it this? Is it that? Whatever is more important to you than God is a violation of the first commandment. Again, what are we learning about God? Is that God is God and he should be number one. That he should be first because of the character of God because of whom he is.
Let's go to the second commandment, which we see listed in verse number four. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow themselves down to them, nor serve them, for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Now remember that the second commandment covers these three verses and gives us quite a bit. What do we learn from God about the second commandment, about the Ten Commandments? Stop making God small. Stop making God small. What do we learn by the way? That he's a big God. He is a huge God. And God says, I know that you humans want to try to put something visual. You like to put God in a box. You like to fit him down where he's manageable, where you could get a handle on him. But let me remind you that God is a big God. He's a God who created space and time. If you could imagine how big God is, all of time, the entire timeline fits in the palm of his hand. That is a big God. And we need to keep God big. One of our temptations is that we like to make an, um, images of God so we could relate, so we could, viol uh, so we could try to have a, more of a connection. For example, I have a, um, a friend, not against them, I appreciate the things they do, but they put out a Christmas coloring book. And the first question I ask is, what do you do with a picture of Jesus? Oh, we got pictures of Jesus all throughout here. I'm sorry we can't use that then. Why? Why, why is a picture of Jesus such a bad deal? Because what happens is that we tend to put an emphasis on his humanity rather than his deity. Think about how people see Jesus. If you say... Uh, go to any random person. How do you see Jesus? Some people see Jesus as just a little baby in a manger. By the way, that baby is so innocent and needs taking care of. No one fears a baby. Some people see Jesus as some uh, wimpy, milk toast, hippie looking Jesus with long hair and a long beard. And they see him as the man of peace and they see him here. And we put again an emphasis on his humanity. By the way, that's a false image. How do I know? Because Jesus was a man's man. How do I know that? Well, remember that one of the times that he chased out the money changers? In the gospel record of John, it says that when he made a scourge. You know what that's called? That's called um, uh, pre- Oh, pre-motivation. Oh, he, he did it with forethought. Premeditation. Premeditation. He made a scourge for the purpose of going in. We said, well, that doesn't prove anything. He made a scourge. Yes. But there's a difference. If some guy came in, doesn't matter if he had a scourge or not. Stop it, guys. You need to stop doing this. Do you think that they would uh, run? He was a man's man. When he came in with a scourge, they did not want to be hit. And when he started flipping tables, they took off and ran because they didn't want to mess with him. He wasn't just a wimpy guy. He was a man's man. By the way, 
For the gospel record of Luke, it shows Jesus Christ as the perfect man. In order to be a perfect man in the Greek culture, someone had to work out an hour every day. Well, if Jesus Christ was going to be portrayed as the perfect man inside of the Greek culture, don't you think that he also had a little bit of a physique? He was portrayed as... Now, again, there's all kinds of evidences. I'm just putting a little thing in here. But, you know, some people just see him as some wimpy little guy. He's a guy of love. And again, that's how they see Jesus and they don't see him as God. Some people see Jesus as the suffering Savior. That they see him up on the cross and they feel more pity for him than recognizing that he is the God of the universe. And with the pictures and the images of Jesus, God told us not to do it. Not any, any, that's any means any, any image of Jesus Christ. Because we will so often put an emphasis on his humanity And to the neglect of seeing his deity. Jesus is God. That God is God. That we're supposed to live by faith. And not by sight. And we are supposed to be careful with the images that we have. And God says do not. Thou shall not. I am God. Do not make any graven image, any carved, any type of image. No, notice the list here. Thou shall not make thee any graven image or any, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shall not bow thyself down to him. Now let's pause there. How many people bow themselves to an image of Christ or an image of Mary or image of angels and they serve them or serve them? Why? For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Now that's a big deal. We learned something about God. You say, well, it's not right to be jealous. Well, for God, he is justified. There is only one God. Why should any worship that belongs to him go to anyone else? He deserves all worship. He is that big of a God. He doesn't need it to go to anyone else. Now, Imagine God being a wonderful God who is a big God and someone say, well, this is how I think God is. And they come up with a false image of who God is. And then they worship him and say, oh, look, I love Jesus. Here's my image. And God says, that's not me. (laughs) It's nothing like me. You think that's more of an insult than an honor? Absolutely. Remember when we worship God, John chapter 4, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. That means we have to worship him in his spirit and we have to worship him the way that he says to be worshipped, not the way that we think that should be worshipped. So this commandment covers a lot of things done in the idea of religion and God says, I'm a jealous God and I will not... who is in me? I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now, notice that word hate. When we're using this here, it carries the idea of a comparison. Do we love God or do we love this image of what we think God should be? What do we love more? God says, listen, this is a big deal to me. You do not violate this. Worship me as I am, as I've revealed myself, not how you imagine I should be. 
Again, we all have this habit of trying to fit God into a box that we can manage, that we could relate to, that we, but God is a big God. And we must worship him in the way that he has revealed himself. Not the way that we should have. Again, how many people have a false image of, of Jesus based off of Hollywood movies? Let me tell you, Jesus Christ Superstar is not the Jesus Christ of the Bible. That Jesus Christ of all of those movies, all of the Hollywood movies, is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus Christ of the gospel song is often not the Jesus Christ of the Bible. That we have to be very careful of where we get our image of God. That God has chosen to reveal himself through his word. And that we need to stop making God small and see the big God that he has revealed himself to be. Let's go on. As we come to the third commandment which is listed in verse number 7, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now this is a big deal. Most people will put a period, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, and period. But notice this comes with a curse. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now, if God is putting a big deal here, what do we learn about this? Well, we understand the principle here is that we're supposed to keep God close. What do we mean by this? The word vain means empty. And so don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Don't make it empty. That means God's name has meaning. There should be something when we say his name and think about his name. It should be something important. Now most people will put a simple definition of don't use God's word as a curse word. Oh my and then fill in God's name. Or say Jesus and then talk about Jesus Christ, but they're not talking about him. They're using his slang word. Yes, that is a bad way. But you know, taking God's name in vain, making his name light, also carries the idea of anyone who calls himself a Christian who does not behave like a Christian. You know, you might remember when you were in school, when I went in field trips, they would say, listen, the school would gather us up and say, you are representing the school when you go out. So don't be act normal. Don't be the fool. Don't touch things you're not supposed to. Maybe your parents say, listen here, you represent me. What you do is a reflection of me. You carry my name well. Well, we carry the name of Jesus. And when we call ourselves a Christian and we don't behave like a Christian, we're making God's name empty light. Oh, I thought you were a Christian. How come you're not in church? Oh, I thought you were a Christian. How can you speak like that? I thought you were a Christian. What are you doing watching that? You know, lost people know how to live. Christians ought to live better than Christians know how to live. You ask a lost person, how is a Christian supposed to live? Well, they're supposed to go to church and read their Bible. and They're supposed to be nice and forgiving and whatnot. Then when someone becomes a Christian, they go, I don't know all this. It's like they forget what they're supposed to do. But anyways, here it's talking about, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That God will not hold him guiltless. This is a big commandment. That whenever we mar God's name, we make it empty, we make it light by our actions or by our words, God is not pleased. Now, this violation of this commandment is done in normal churches almost every Sunday morning. 
Really? Every Sunday morning. In fact, to be honest, it probably got violated here. Here's a definition of taking God's name in vain. It's anytime God's word is on our lips, but not currently burning in our heart. How many times that we take a hymn book, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. And we sing the song, but we're thinking about my wife, what's my wife cooking me after lunch? The things I've got to do later on. Anytime that you say Jesus' name, but you're not currently thinking about him, and he's not close, you've taken his name in vain. You've made it empty. And this is a big violation that is done all the time. Why is it such a big deal? Because God wants it. Every time we say his name, there's something special about it. Let me give another example. My wife's name is Leah. And so if you say the word Leah to me, automatically there's feelings. There's something attached to it. That name means something to me. Now, if you give me a name that I don't know the person of... There's no attachment, no big deal to it. Whatever, I don't care what he's doing. But there's names that are supposed to be special to you. Something that um, invokes reactions, feelings. Well, the name of Christ, every time we say it, should mean something to us because we're so close to him. We're so intimate to him. God wants us to be intimate and close with him. That's the whole purpose of this here. That we see that God wants us to be close And not where we just use his name flippantly and irreverently. As we go on, we come to the fourth commandment, which is starting at verse number 8. I am the Lord thy God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then God continues to give us an illustration of creation through here. What do we see about this? What do we learn? That God deserves our time. God deserves our time. What do we mean by this? That God says, I want you to set aside a day for the purpose of spending it with me. I want you to take a day where you think about me and who I am. Now, later on in the book of Exodus, that Moses is going to go up. Finally, when he does go up there, he receives the plans for the tabernacle. In fact, that's what he spends 40 days and 40 nights. He's not 40 days and 40 nights getting the Ten Commandments. God is speaking out loud to the people giving them Ten Commandments. He's up there for 40 days and 40 nights to receive the plans for the tabernacle. And it's going to take nine months for them to build the tabernacle. And the very last part of the instructions for the tabernacle, God says, don't forget the Sabbath. Why? What's the principle here? Why why did God say that at the end of the plans of the tabernacle? Because the temptation is that I get so busy doing things for God that I fail to spend time with God. That God is deserving of our time. Now, we are busy people. In fact, the more uh, time-saving devices we have in our life just gives us more time to do more stuff. And we get so busy and so occupied that God is often pushed out of our life. How many times, we may not try to, but we say, well, I'm busy tomorrow. If I get to my Bible, I'll get to it. And we make it not a priority, but something that we try to fit in as leftovers. Well, if I feel all right on Sunday, I'll go to church. Well, you'll never feel all right on Sunday. 
You have to make purposeful decisions because God is important. To not let him get your leftovers. God is worthy of your time. That God doesn't want you to get so busy that you fail to spend time with God. God wants to spend time. That's what we learn about it. God wants to spend time with you. And he wants to spend time with me. He doesn't want to be a God who's so far away. He wants to be a God who's close to us. That's what we learn through these Ten Commandments. Let's go on. What do we learn? As we now go to what is called the Fifth Commandment, we see that listed in verse number 12. I am the Lord thy God. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And verse number 12, what we learn here is that this is the first um, commandment with promise. God gave a promise here. Why should you honor thy father and mother that thy days may be long upon which the Lord thy God giveth thee? Now the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. The last six deal with our relationship with other men. However, even though it's speaking about other men, God is asking us to keep these commandments because they're a reflection of God's own character. Why does God want us to obey our father and mother? Well, remember the phrase that we put at the beginning of each one of these Ten Commandments? I am the Lord thy God, honor thy father and thy mother. What do we learn about this? Why should I honor, respect, give reverence to my mother and father? Because God, um, God honors authority. God honors authority. If I will not obey visible authority, I will not obey invisible authority. If I have a hard time with my parents, my boss, my husband, my whatever, I will have a hard time with God. God honors authority. In fact, being a parent is such important that as we teach our kids to respond to us, that same teaching is how they're going to respond to God. If we teach them, ah, you know what, do whatever you want, that's how they're going to respond to God. If we teach them that, listen here, that God desires to be obeyed, therefore you need to learn to obey me so that way you can learn to obey him. This is a reflection here. God honors authority with him being the ultimate authority. We see the reflection of God's character. We now go to the next commandment in verse number 13. I am the Lord thy God, thou shall not kill. Now, what do we learn about God through here? Well, we can see that God is love. God's unchanging character seeks to preserve and deal kindly with people. Thou shall not kill. God created us and God loves us. And he does not want us to kill each other because God has a love. Now, think about this. Isn't God willing to forgive everything? Absolutely. And God wants us to deal kindly with people. Even if they make us mad. Even if they make us upset. Even if they're in our way. Or so we think. He still wants us to learn to deal with them. Because God deals with us. Don't raise your hand. Be, be honest. If God was in the killing business. How many of you would still be alive? Think about the lightnings that you deserve. The times that I've just aggravated God so badly. I'm lucky to be alive. Because God is a God of love. 
And we see that reflection. Why should we not kill? Because it's a reflection of God's character. He tells us not to kill because he's a God of love and he wants us to love. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You said, oh yeah, well what did we learn about this? He's telling us not to cheat on my wife. Well, what we learn here is that God is faithful. Why does God want me to be faithful to my wife? Because God is faithful to me. And what do we mean by faithfulness? And we find that in today's world, we have to define this, okay? So if I went to my wife and said, honey, I love you. I got good news for you. I've been 99% faithful to you. Is that good news to her? What does she expect me to do to be 100% faithful? Well, isn't God always faithful to us? He's any, everything but faithful. In the Bible, several times it says God is faithful. That's part of who he is. He is always consistently faithful. In fact, could we also say this? Aren't we glad that God is not faithful to me as I am faithful to him? Amen. God is always faithful no matter what I have done. He is always faithful. And so we see the reflection of God's character in this commandment. Why should I be faithful to her? Because God is faithful to me. God is faithful. Notice as we continue to go on in the next commandment. I am the Lord thy God. Verse number 20. Thou shall not steal. Now what do we do with this commandment? How do we see God in this? Why should I not steal? Isn't there times that I need something? Well, that's where we learn something about God. That God is a giver. God is able to bless. I don't have to steal because I can go to my heavenly father who's able to provide all the things that I need. I have no need to steal. I could depend upon God. I have a great heavenly father. In fact, he talks about in the book of Luke chapter 11, how much more shall your heavenly father give unto them the Holy Spirit to them that ask. How much more? He's willing to give us more than I asked for. Now, in that passage there, it talks about if I being evil, give good gifts to my children. And in that passage there, it's talking about if my son came up to me and said, Dad, I'm hungry. Can I have some bread? Will I give him a stone? Well, of course not. Dad, am I hungry? Can you give me an egg? Okay, well, here's a serpent. Here's a snake. Pet it for you. No, is that the same thing? Dad... And, and, and I'm not going to give him evil gifts. But you know, something about a father, and my, one of my girls have mastered this. Daddy, can I have this? Well, if I have the ability to give this to her, and it's not unreasonable, don't you think I want to give it to her? Yes. Well, I have a heavenly father who loves me like his own child, who just doesn't give me what I need but because he loves me, he loves to give good gifts unto his children. I don't have to steal. I can go to daddy who loves me. And if he tells me no, there's a good reason for it. I can trust him. I don't have to steal because God is a giver. See how we're learning about God and his character even by the commandments he gave? Why don't I have to steal? Because he is able to supply the sufficiency of Christ. Notice as we go on to the ninth commandment, verse number 16. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. What do we learn about God? That God is truthful. 
Why doesn't God want me to lie? Because God does not lie to me. I could be honest in my dealings because God is honest in his dealings to me. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you glad that when you get to heaven you said, God, I accepted you. You promised that you'd forgive me. He doesn't go, psych. That's an old 80s word. All right. When God said, I forgive you, he meant it. When he offered us eternal life, he meant it. He didn't lie to us. He could keep his word. And because of reflection of God's character, we should be honest in our dealings with other people. Because God does not lie. In fact, we learned that about the Bible. All God's statements are perfect and true. Everything that God says is perfect and true. Now, something else about God that I know that God is God, not us, but God is never mistaken. There are some times that we don't have enough information. Let me give an example of something that happens in my house. All right, kids, I know that you guys want to go to the park. Let's plan on going to the park. And then last minute, something happens. I'm sorry, I can't take you to the park because so-and-so had to go die. I'm not that crass, but you know, <laughs> that comes up. We don't even use the V word at our house. What's the V word? Vacation. We can't use it because every time you say that word, someone dies. Kids, we're going to go on vacation. No, we're never going because something always happens. All right. Now, does that make me, am I a complete awful liar on that? No. But one thing that God has that I don't is he knows everything. And so he could be honest with what he says and his plans don't change because he knows everything. But I should reflect to try to be as honest as I possibly can with my dealings because God is honest and faithful and true to me. It's a reflection of God's character. God is not asking us to do anything in these Ten Commandments that is not already in his character and his nature. Then we come to the last commandment. Verse number twenty. Or verse number uh, 17, we have the 10th commandment. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor. Now this commandment goes straight to the heart and deals with something called desire. That the idea of covet simply define is desiring something for my life that is not God's will for me to have. That when I desire something that's not God's for me to have, that's called coveting. Now that's also called American commercialism, right? Let's have a Burger King Whopper flame broil. You could have it your way with cheese. and You could put everything, oh, look at this here. And you watch the commercial and you start to desire something. And it may not be God's will to have. You know why so many people are broke? Because of the fast food business. I desire something. I could go home and eat the salad my wife prepared. Or I could spice it up with some McDonald's fries. Now, that goes beyond just fast food. It's commercials of anything. I need this brand new boat. I heard a preacher said that he's got a whole fleet of boats in dry dock. He says he's got like 15 boats. None of them out to sea. He's too busy. But he keeps getting these boats. Because one day... Well... You know, you start desiring things that's not God's will to have. That's coveting. By the way, inside of the listings of the, um, of the qualifications of a pastor, do you know that one of the qualifications of a pastor is not to covet? 
And you say, well, wait a second. As a pastor, you should be mature and above that. Yeah, that'd be nice. But you know how many times a pastor will look at someone else's church? Why do they got more people than me? Why do they have this person? Why do they get this blessing? Why are they Why come I can't have it? It's called coveting. Can I trust God to give me what I need at this time? Can I trust God to supply? Can I trust God to satisfy me? You know, the idea of coveting carries the idea that I'm not satisfied with what I currently have. The Bible talks about that godliness with contentment is great gain. Can I be satisfied with who God is? Can I be satisfied with what God has given to me? That God is enough and that God is sufficient. That's what we learn about God through the Ten Commandments. Now, this is just the Ten Commandments. Every time you open the Bible, God wants to reveal more of Him to you. And so when you open up your Bible and say, Lord, before I read, I want you to show me more about who you are today. If you seek him, he will be found. It will revolutionize your Bible reading. When you approach the Bible reading, teach me more about you. Let me see you. It would change your entire church experience that if you took time to pray before you got here, God... I don't want to hear from the preacher today. I want to hear from you. I want you to show me who you are. You know, you could have the most boring preacher in all the world, but if you show up with the right heart of looking for God, every time the Bible is open, he will show you something about himself. Church experience will be fantastic and wonderful. Doesn't matter who the preacher is. As long as the Bible is open, you can learn something more about God. Isn't that wonderful? God wants you to know more about him. And he has given us his word for that purpose. So let me ask you, have you been looking for God? You have not because you ask not. Bible promises that if you seek, you shall find. How is your Bible reading? Is it dry and lifeless? Then start looking for God. Hey, is your prayer life dry and redundant? Start looking for God. Is your church experience something that you endure to the end? Start seeking for God. God wants to be known. And the purpose of the Bible is to reveal who God is to us. Because God wants to be known. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three oh six three oh eight. 
there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.